Before we get started, um, we actually have five guys, or nine people total, five from Live Oak, but nine total that are traveling to Southbury, Connecticut. Does that sound right? Southbury, Connecticut. Even as we speak right now, they're on the road. So we just need to pray for, for them. We need to be proud as a church that we have people that are selfless that will jump in a truck and take off to go to Connecticut to cut trees up from tornadoes. And so they'll be up there for 10, 11 days, something like that. It was about a two, two-and-a-half-day travel going one direction. So we just need to pray for those guys as they're traveling. And, um, you know, we, we've been making a lot of progress. You see out front there's a lot of progress. There's trenches and there's poles and stuff. We're getting closer to our sign. And when Demco was here the other day, our flagpole rope had broke probably two-and-a-half, three months ago. Me and Brother Howard went out there to change it, and it had dry-rotted and broke. And so I tried, I put Frank on my shoulders and Donnie on his shoulders and Mike on his shoulders. We were still three foot too short to change the, the rope and the flagpole. So when Demco was out, yesterday, I said, hey, what would be the chance if y'all changed the rope for me? And they said, we'll do it in a second. So I went and hurried up to the hardware and bought a rope and come back and they changed the rope. Well, this week I was out there um, cutting it and fixing it and putting the snaps on it to put the flag on it. And whenever I put the flag on, I'm just going to be real honest, and I got overwhelmed with the thought of what I was raising because that flag represents this weekend what we're celebrating is Memorial Day because it's not about the day off from work or about the barbecues or the pool time or beach time but it's about the men and ladies that, that gave everything so that we could be here this morning and worship well I'm just gonna be honest apparently I made a spectacle of myself because I'm standing out there and I'm just praying as I'm raising the flag and I got consumed in the prayer and ended up on my knees praying. Next thing I know, there's a Demco man tapping on my back. Are you okay, sir? <laughs> and I'm glad that we pay our Demco bill on time because he might not would have stopped. But anyway, ended up me and him stood at the flagpole and prayed together. It was really cool. But, um, but we do need to pray for, uh, I want to pray for that. And I'm going to ask Mr. Richard, will you just pray for this weekend and what it represents to, to us as a nation? Thank you, Mr. Richard. You know, we, um, we've been on this series talking about back porch Sundays, and today we're going to be focusing in on being a parent. And I'm sure that if you was to ask both my daughters, me and Tammy's philosophy on this, this is the same thing that I've told parents all through the years of being a student minister, when I was a youth worker, that God didn't call us to be their friends. God called us to be the parent. 
One day that we'll be friends. When we are friends now because they're both older, but it's different now when I'm 21 and 26 than it was whenever they was through and three, you know, two, three, five, six, 13 years old. You know, God called us to be the parent. And I think too many times in today's world, we get caught up, we want to be the cool parent. And it's not about being a cool parent. It's about being the parent that's raising godly kids and raising set-apart kids. Tuesday night, me and Donnie had the opportunity to come up here and cook hamburgers for an associational children's training. And I, we was hanging around for a few minutes, and they actually, I stole this video from David Anderson from, Light, uh, from LBC. And so I want to show just a two-minute clip because this is what not to teach your kids about the Bible. You know who you remind me of right now? You remind me of Peter in the Bible. You know who Peter was? Peter was one of the 12 disciplines. And uh, they were on a boat out on the Isle of the Greek uh, Atlantic Ocean. And when they was on this boat, the storm rose up. And the 12 disciplines, they got really, really worried and upset. They said, oh, Lord, what are we going to do? And they, they saw something coming to them on the water. looked like a ghost. But it wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. And, and Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there. Well, you got to be careful what you ask the Lord for. So Jesus said, come on out. So Peter stepped out of the boat and was walking on the water. He was walking on the water. On the water. He was walking on the water toward Jesus. Long as he kept his eyes on him, he stayed on top of the water. He took his eyes off him, though. You know why? He got distracted. You know why he got distracted? See, this is what you got to do. When you got your eye on Jesus, you can't get distracted by nothing. Jonah passed by in the belly of the whale, and he looked down here at that whale free willy with Jonah inside the belly, and it made him distracted, so he started to sink. He said, Jesus, Jesus, help me, help me, Jesus. Jesus said, I can't. I got to go to Calvary. I'm late. So Jesus went on to the cross. He said, but don't worry. I'm going to send you a comforter. When the comforter comes, you're going you're gonna to be all right. So he's swimming. He trying to swim. He trying to swim. He just worried, and Jaws was coming, and all them Steve Spielberg had did that Jaws thing, and all them was around him. He was worried. You know what happened? What? Just in a nick of time. See, this is what I'm talking about. When you think you ain't going to make it, just in a nick of time, something happened. Noah came up in the arch. That's right. Noah came rolling up in the arch of, of St. Louis Arch, and he pulled right up beside him. And he got on there. And he said, ooh, thank you for saving me. Peter, Noah said, no problem, man. Cool. What's up, fool? You know, so they spoke to each other. He said, come on, let me show you around. Because Noah had turned the arch into a cruise ship because uh, he didn't have nothing to do after he saved the world. And you know who was on there? Eve. Eve. She was in the VIP section. Yeah, that's right. And uh, no, Peter asked to say, Eve, come on, go to the show. So she went to see this show. And uh, they had tigers. You know, they had two tigers, two bears, two lions. You know how they did that, the male and the female. Well, Siegfried and Roy, they was there. And they had the two lions. And them lions jumped out and scratched Eve. That is not the Bible stories we're going to be learning in VBS next week. I rest assured. But anyway, I thought that was pretty funny because we do have a responsibility as parents, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, while I was um, studying and researching, I run across, uh, I love to go back and listen to some of the old Billy Graham sermons that are online, and I found this. This was from 1955. This was Billy Graham's um, sermon, The Responsibility of Parents. And let me read you um, his six points on um, being a parent. At first, it says, take time with your children. Your children not only require a great deal of your time, but they long and hunger for it. Second, give your children ideas for living. Teach them moral and spiritual principles of life. Show them only the moral and spiritually right attain genuine satisfaction in life. Third, set your children a good example. 
Many parents preach to their children, but they do not set a good example. Fourth, plan activities for your children. Plan things together as a family. Make the home so interesting and delightful that your children will want to stay home. Then they will never miss the pranks that many of the young people get engaged in for thrills. Fifth, discipline your children. The devil's philosophy is do as you please. Children are going to be in society what they are in the home. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation teaches that parents ought to discipline their children. Sixth, teach your children to know God and to bring them up in church. Very seldom do parents have trouble with children when the Bible is read regularly in the home, grace is said at the table, and family prayers take place daily. Most trouble with teenagers comes when children are reared in homes where prayer is neglected, the Bible is never opened, and church attendance is sporadic at best. And so that's just from Billy Graham. And, you know, when you look at that, I mean, all that makes perfect sense, don't it? And we can apply that. But um, I'm going to be honest. Um, Frank told me after service a while ago, he said, man, you was all over the place with your points. It's because I don't have one, two, three points. I had his six, then I've got three more, and then i got six more, and i got eight more. So we got lots of points. So don't try to keep up with the points. Just try to keep up with um, where we're going with this. But if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, and turn to Deuteronomy 6. 2 Timothy 3, Deuteronomy 6. And let's read in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. We'll start in verse 14. It says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, we come to you again, Lord, just to say that we love you. Father, and I just thank you for this morning. And Father, even right now as we dive into your word, Father, open our hearts, Father, to what you have to say. Father, on the importance of being a parent or a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt. Father, show us, Lord, your word and, Father, how we should live. In Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, and you read that, you read that and you start thinking about it, you know. And as I was getting ready for this and, you know, was thinking about the, the whole thing about being a parent, you know. And I'll never forget, I can go back in time and tell you, you know, me and Tammy got, we dated for two years, was married, and then a couple of years into marriage, she come up and she says, I think it's time we start having kids. And so we didn't have nothing, and I'm a logistics person. Everything has to make sense on paper. And so when we got married, we was living on love. We didn't have no money. We, you know, I was making six twenty-five an hour. She was making under $1,000 a month working at the clerk's office. And so... Um, on paper, it made no sense how we could have kids. And so uh, I told her, I said, all right, when we pay your car off, then we'll swap the car note for daycare because she was going to have to work. And so I bet you a lot of you daycare parents would love to have this. Our daycare was $200 a month back then. How many of y'all would love to pay $200 a month a kid, huh? And so her car note was $216. Daycare was going to be $200. We paid the car off on September 10th. We had Paige on September 16th. She had that planned, right? And so she gave me six days without a note, you know, so I should have been excited about that and not complained. And, you know, I had um, I'd grown up 
you know, I had two younger brothers, but I really wasn't around a lot of baby babies. And so, and still to this day, don't get your feelings hurt if I don't hold your baby when they get big enough to walk beside me. They're fair game, then I'll go anywhere with them. But whenever they little bitty like that, not so much. And I can remember um, September 16th, being at the hospital, on the woman's hospital on Airline Highway, when that doctor handed me Paige, and I can remember thinking, what have I got myself into? God, this is bigger than me, and I don't understand it. I'd raised hundreds of beagle puppies and coonhound puppies <laughs> and stuff like that, but the good thing with puppies is if they're bad and you don't like them, you can sell them. <laughs> it's not legal to sell kids in the United States, and so I was stuck. And so I'm not saying that we had thoughts of selling our kids every once in a while, but it changed everything. And then six years later when we had Peyton, I still didn't have a clue when I stood there holding her in my arms what I was going to do with this. You know, and so, but you know, when you look back on it, you know, God equipped us. Just like us not having no money, God give us what we needed to get through. But, um, and he's there. But his scripture is crystal clear when you start reading it, you know. And, you know, Billy Graham had his six things, and, and I have three that I think is really important in parenting that we need to, to keep up with. We need to, if you're parents. The first one, everything in your power to keep them alive. You know, that's your first job as a parent, just to keep them alive. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about as parents. Whenever they stick their finger in a socket or they stick a pencil in a socket or they push marbles up their nose, you know, you have to try to protect them from that. You know, the second one is once you've kept them alive, you have to grow them into functioning adults that can support themselves and contribute to society. So that's your next goal. And then the last one is the most important one is to evangelize. You're to disciple them, you're to lead them to Jesus, and you're to help them learn to fall in love with the grace of God and, um, and respond to that. And so, you know, that, that's kind of where we're starting. But whenever you look back in Scripture, Timothy, y'all, we've talked about Timothy before. You know, Timothy was Paul's protege. Paul was grooming Timothy to become a pastor, you know, to, to lead the churches and stuff. And even in Paul's words in 2 Timothy 1 through 5, you don't have to turn there. I'll read real quick. 2 Timothy 1 through 5, it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, then your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. You know, Timothy's faith, where he was at right there, come from his grandmother and his mother. You know, and as I started reading this and started looking, and, and, and I had a conversation with, um, with one of our senior adult men out in the parking lot the other day, and we had church in the parking lot just talking about this. But whenever I looked at this and I started studying, what, something that jumped at me in that scripture they don't mention a dad or a grandpa. You know, and to me that was sad. But at the same time, whenever you start looking, single parents in today's world and spiritually mismatched parents in today's world can raise godly children because we see it in Timothy right there. In Timothy's grandmother and his mother, they raised, God, they raised a godly son and grandson. And so there's hope. But, you know, when you look back in 2 Timothy and you look at verse 14, it says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know that those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. You know, what's he telling us right there? 
You know, there's several things that he's telling us when you look at that. You know, the first one is parenting is more about, um, it's not about the principles, it's about modeling. Because what Timothy saw was what his grandmother and his mother modeled for him. You know, our kids are like parrots, aren't they? How many times has our kids got us in trouble with stuff that they've heard us say, and then they said it in front of their grandma, or they said it at school, and all of a sudden we got in trouble for it, you know? And I, I got stories I'm not even going to go there this morning. But, but, you know, it's about modeling, you know, and it's about whenever you're discipling anybody, when you're discipling a person or you're discipling a kid, it's more about just a method and a process. It's about life on life. It's about getting down in the trenches, and it's about being with them and living with them and teaching them and letting them see from you. You know, um, we had a, a, a young guy that um, some of y'all met through the years of me being here that lived with us for two years. And he was out of high school, and he moved in and was going to stay two weeks and stayed two years. We made it too comfortable for him. And, but if you was to ask him today, his takeaway from that two years was he learned from me and Tammy, as hard as some of y'all is going to believe this, how to be married and how to model having a godly husband and a godly wife. And it was setting him up for his marriage that he has today. You know, and he, he's, he reminds me of that all the time, that he just from watching us and how we acted and reacted and interacted, you know, God was teaching him what it meant to, to be a godly father one day and to be a godly husband. And so it's about modeling, you know. The second thing, this is the foundation for parenting. Nothing else you need. There is thousands and thousands and thousands of books that are written to help you parent. This is the book you need to parent by. This is it. From beginning to end, God teaches us how to be parents and how we need to do it and how we need to live it. But we have to do this. We have to know this. You know, or we're going to be like Medea in that video where we're going to have everything all mixed up. You know, But here it is right here. Here's the foundation, the foundation for us doing this. You know, And whenever you keep going down the, the, the Bible, it's a practical source for godly wisdom. You know, it tells us in verse 16, all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. This right here, this is God's breath. This is what God sent us to be able to learn how to parent. You know, in today's world, um, I was thinking about it. In today's world, and I'm just being honest, and if somebody wants to kick me after church, they can I don't believe it was God's design for grandparents to raise kids. But because of the society that we live in today and because of divorce and things that happen, grandparents have had to step in and become parents now. Uncles and aunts have had to intercede and help in raising kids. This right here is the biblical model for everything that we need to raise kids, whether you're the mom, the dad, the grandma, the grandpa, the uncle, the aunt, or the neighbor, or the teacher. You know, one of the things that I realized this year is teaching school, something that I've always seen, but this year become reality to me, is in that classroom, I wasn't only the teacher, I was the spiritual leader for those kids. I was a parent for a lot of those kids. And I can say it now because it's finished and I'm on stage and Tammy can't throw nothing at me. But there's money that I paid for those kids because they didn't get it at home. And their parents wouldn't give it to them. So I paid fees and I paid stuff like that because they didn't have that at home. And it was an investment that I was making with them so that they would see God in me. 
And so in today's world, this is the model that we have to have to do it. You know, parenting, it's a season of constant teaching and correcting and, you know, just training, you know. And how we train our children is how they're going to grow up. How we treat them when they're this big is how we're going to treat them when they're this big or how they're going to act when they're this big. It's easier to fix it here than it is here. But we have to do this. We have to be in this word. You know, and there's different seasons of, um, of children. You know, there's the newborn stage where they provide, where we have to provide constant care and protection, where they depend on us to feed them and to burp them and change their diapers and, and be there and keep them from falling and stuff. And then there's the toddler to the preteen age where you begin to kind of, they teach them self-care, where we teach them where they learn how to feed themselves and take care of themselves. You know, and as they get older, they learn to stand more on their own two feet to do that. And then there's the teenager stage where they gradually begin, um, you know, to be released. It's more watching and coaching than it is just teaching them. You know, it's to kind of sit back and say, you really need to do this or you really need to do this. But if you don't set the standard at newborn and toddler stage, it's harder to accomplish it at teenager years. You know, that's why I go back to where you have to be the parent. Have to be the parent. You can't give up. You can't trade them in. You have to be the parent. You know, and then the last one's the young adults, and that's wherever you release them, and you more or less just become a consultant, and they have to learn how to make their own choices. And, you know, even at, um, I'm, all, I'm 50 years old. You know, my dad's 71. I still go to my dad for consultation. Me and my dad sit on the tailgate of the truck, or we stand in the shop and drink Diet Cokes all the time talking about life, talking about decisions, talking about children and parenting and you name it. We have the, and, but that's the relationship we have. But I'll tell you this also, at 50 years old, if my dad says jump, I still hit the roof because he's my dad. You know, I still have that respect for him. He's my dad. We're friends, we're best friends, but he's still my dad, you know, and so you have to have that respect, and, but you have to earn that respect with your kids. Turn to Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. It says, these are the commands and decrees, the laws of the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land you are crossing, the Jordan to possess, so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the degrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in, in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. You know, what's the importance? What is he telling us that we're to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind, right? And then he goes on, he says, impress them. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. You know, and he goes on, he makes it, he breaks it down even more. He says, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, all parts of life, you need to be impressing on your kids to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And as you do that, you know, it becomes more and more the way we need to do. Um, 
this has to be the priority. This has to be the priority. Knowing your word, living your word, teaching them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all strength. It has to be the priority. Be the parent. Be the parent. Be the parent that teaches them. Be the parent that teaches them about love and about mercy and about grace. You know, what do kids need the most from us? They need parents who know and love God above all else. They need parents that they can look at and say they love God. You know, I'm picking on my girls a lot today. But on Mother's Day, they give Tammy a card. In the very end of it, it thank, they thanked her for being a godly mother and teaching them how to do that. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. You know, they need to see parents that love God. They need parents who will teach and model confession and repentance. If you grow up in a house to where the parent is never wrong, if you grow up in a house where you never see a mom or a dad say, I'm sorry, if you grow up in a house where you never see a parent say, you know something, I need you to forgive me of this, how are they going to learn how to go to God for that? It's important. The little things and how we act and react as parents in a house, they need to see mo that modeled in front of them. You know, kids need to see parents that love each other. You know, kids need to see that modeled in, 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 um, in how you do your everyday life. Kids need parents who have a purpose and intentional the way that they're raising them. You know, um, a lot of parents, and again, if I get kicked, I get kicked, but I'm not backing down from this. A lot of parents focus on telling their children, you need to go to this college and you need to do this. Or you need to choose this career and you need to make this much money. And everything's pushed in those directions. And hear my heart, there's nothing wrong with drive. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have God in front of it, if you're not teaching your children first that they need to love God with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength, and all their mind, if you're not teaching your children that first and then to seek Him, the song, the last song we sang, wherever He leads, I'll go. It's not wherever the parents lead, I'll go. It's wherever Jesus leads, I'll go. But we have to be willing to give our kids up. And is that easy? Is that easy to say, all right, God, you can have them. God, they're yours. God, I need you to become the Lord of their life. God, you teach them what you want them to do when they grow up. Not what I want to do. And that's hard. That's hard as parents. It's hard as parents to release. You know, um, back in 2009, whenever I was laid off, one of the, the, the lessons that I had to learn, you know, is financially to lean on God more. Because I had one daughter that wanted to go on a mission trip with a junior high group. And I had one daughter wanting to go to Nicaragua. And I didn't have the money to pay for either one of them. So my girls had to see God work for them to be able to go on those trips. Because I couldn't do it. So they saw that modeled how God interceded and how God provided people that helped get them on those trips. But I have to believe that God delights in the prayer of a helpless parent. A parent that's willing to come to God and say, God, I can't do this. God, I need you to intercede. God, I need you to give me direction on how to do this. Because we have what we take, what it takes in that word. It's God-breathed. 
It's God's words for us to use every day. Father, we come to you right now, Lord, just to say that we love you. Father, and I just thank you for today. Father, I just thank you for, Father, for a time where we just hear from you. Father, in this morning, Father, this morning, real specific. Father, there's parents. Father, or there's people in here that have never made you the Lord of their life. And Father, they don't understand what it means for you to become their everything. Father, they've never surrendered all their heart, all their soul, all their strength, and all their mind to you. Father, let today be that day. Father, May 27th, 2018, that they hand everything to you and let you become the Lord of their life. Father, there's people in here today, Father, that Father, that just need to come down front. Father, that they just need to come to you. Father, they need somebody to, to pray with them. Father, that they'll come find me or Frank or Mike. Father, just let us come to you with them. Father, but this morning I just ask, Father, just let us be obedient. Father, obedient to what you're telling us in our heart. Father, it's never too late become that godly parent. Father, but we just have to seek you with everything we have. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and just be obedient to how God's calling this morning.